Hello, Acaville Radio. Welcome to another exciting episode of Talk Acapella. It's a podcast for the acapella community where we examine the culture as well as the ins and outs of vocal music, along with the people who are working to shape it. I'm one of your hosts, Brian Alexander. Joining me as always is... Alicia Edwards. Alicia, how are you doing on this fine day? I am, you know, I'm... A little tired, but not as much as I have been previously, but that very well might have something to do with the fact that I have had four cans of caffeinated beverages today. I was about to say, I'm like, is that going to affect the energy levels, which you are so used to bringing oh, to no, the Oh, I'm, no, I'm sure it won't. I'm sure I will have <laughs> all the energy because of that, because I I finished the last can maybe a couple of hours ago. Oh, oh, nice, nice. Well, I can I can kind of relate on the tiredness. I spent my day, and for all the, the gamers out there, they might know why, but trying to to claim a new PlayStation and it is like taking no, the life I, force out of me. I can't relate. <laughs> no, not not your area, you know? I am not More a, a gamer. PC gamer. Not even close. No, not. But my no, husband no. is. So like right, this okay. computer that I'm sitting at right now has a 27-inch monitor in front of me, a 23-inch monitor here, and two more monitors over here. And I've got his gaming headset on right now that's got the nice fancy microphone with it. But I prefer to record my sound on my on his Blue Yeti. So, so you literally have every resource to be a I've gamer, got every yet you aren't to one. be able to do it. And he wants to buy me a desktop. And I'm like, what? Well, really, there should be no I hesitation. Will, well, it's really to help me with mixing music because oh, okay. it's, well, also the important. desktop is just so much more convenient than a laptop. Yeah, so I, I agree. And, I and he agree. needs his desktop a lot of times and... I, it's that, just working it for me to be able to use one. So we'll probably find a cheap one for me somewhere down the road, and I'll probably use it primarily for mixing music. Oh, well, amateurly. That, that sounds like but, a win in yeah. either way. Well, great. I'm glad to hear, you know, things are going well with you. I, how are you? I'm doing well, you know, all things considered. No complaints on my end. We are on lockdown so. in my state now. Oh, I heard about that. Well, it's not so. like lockdown. Like I, I still go to work, but there's a statewide mask mandate and mm-hmm. there are to be no gatherings over 10 people. And if companies are found to be violating that, they can be fined $10,000 by the state. So that's Whoa. Uh, okay. That, if things are getting serious. Well, even more serious. Yeah. yeah. I was going to say they've been a little serious already, but, yeah. <laughs> but now there's some uh, serious repercussions. And they said not to here. visit people outside of your household. Uh, you know what? That's probably the smart thing. So, so. no Sunday dinners at my in-laws is what I'm mm. anticipating. We'll see how they take that. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully not too terrible. They just you need know? to deal Hopefully. with it. Let's be real. Right. <laughs> anyway, um, I think we have a really cool guest today. Same. I'm super excited. Like I say this all the time. We have like someone who's like not based like in the, the USA. It's just like it doesn't need to be said, but I'm going to continue to say it. But I love when we have somewhat like international guests. Basically. That's totally an international uh, guest. Yeah, not I somewhat. Get, like, it totally is. Totally is. I get confused because they're like our neighbors up north. And I'm just like, they're so close. You but know, but you need a passport to go there. So. Oh, good point. Okay. That's a very good point. So we have a guest joining us all the way from Canada. He is the co-owner of Countermeasure Music. He also sings with a few of the groups that are associated with it. And we're going to learn so much more about him today. Joining us is J.M. Erlinson. How are you doing today? Not too bad. Hey, so much, thanks so much, Brian. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks so much, Lisa. It's, it's, oh, it's, yeah. Thanks for I, I, I love us. what you guys do. <laughs> and uh, I'm really excited to, to talk a little bit about what I do and all the things that we've been doing up in Canada. <laughs> as horrible <laughs> as it sounds, the best kept secret in acapella. Uh, right? for, I love uh, it. for all the folks on the line. So you'll have to forgive me for my little slip up earlier about the whole international thing. I don't, I don't know. How do, how do Canadians like perceive America? Is it just like, you know, your friendly neighbors? What, well, it, it, we've always felt like the little brother or the, the neighbor <laughs> upstairs banging on the floor, telling the party to <laughs> okay. quiet down. Oh, that's funny. I feel like that's that's what we've been doing for a little while. So it's all right. It's all right. I mean, you know, it's America is our biggest trading partner. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of our culture is very heavily influenced by the U.S. And so, you know, acapella is certainly no exception in that capacity.
capacity. So, you know, we're, we're kind of, we're our own thing. We have our, our own thing going on, but we're very close. We're, we're, we're very good friends. <laughs> right. Yeah. There's so much personality there. So I definitely agree. As we just previously mentioned, you are the co countermeasure music. Man, there's a long list of things like we're going to get into here, but I just want to start here just because with so many things that are attached to and associated with your name here, like we could go over this long list here, but I want to let you share everything. So can for our listeners out there, can you share with us how you got started in acapella as well as what led you to becoming the co-owner of Countermeasure Music? That's a great question. I started in actually in choirs back in when I was very young. I've, I've been singing as a performing professionally for most of my life. I, I grew up in a, a household full of singing clowns. Literally, <laughs> I was a, a family of musical clowns and it sounds funny and it is, mm-hmm. but it actually is a professional outfit. We toured the world. I started getting on stages no. in Amsterdam at the age of 10. With your family. And with my family. You're kidding. And went on, went on many, many world tours to China, to Singapore, to the Netherlands, to Russia, m- many, like a bunch of times. It was a very, it was a very unusual childhood. I have a gold record. It's a surprising origin story, but of course, wow. as, a, as a very young performer, at one point in time, I was the youngest songwriter in Canada. Wow. Um, and I have a little oh, certificate and, and photo shoot from those days. So I've been doing music my whole life. My, my family, besides being musical clowns, also <laughs> had a, an entertainment agency, which wow. taught me a lot of the business skills that I ended up needing okay. as I moved from being a performer to uh, running, owning and running Countermeasure, which which we'll talk about in a couple of seconds. So I started in, in a very young performer and then went into choirs in high school. And then by, by the time I reached university, I'd been singing my whole life. And one of the first things I did at the University of Toronto is start looking for more music to take part in. And you may have heard of groups from the University of Toronto. They've competed for many years in the ICCAs, occasionally doing fairly well. And I found the group Honest Gatapia and then later Tunes Beats Awesome. I founded a group called New Residence. I sang with a group called the Varsity Jews. Like I made University of Toronto sort of my my home for not just engineering, which I did, but mostly music. Uh, I spent more time in rehearsals and performances than I did in class. I was going to say, on, uh, on Countermeasure's <laughs> website, I'm pretty sure it says that you do like, you're like a programming everything engineer. I can. And I'm like, yeah, I'm surprised you didn't do something more music related. <laughs> well, my, my, my family being all musicians, when I went through university or I was thinking about going to university, they said, you know, what, what do you want to be? You want to be a musician? Mm-hmm. You want to be a professional in any field? And I was really interested in engineering. Okay. They said, you know what? Never lose the music. But yeah. know, of course, that music is a field where it's hard to pay for dinner. That, yeah, um, I have heard so that. So <laughs> if you get an engineering degree, you can always afford food mm-hmm. and then you don't lose the music. So you can do that on the side. And hey, listen, and everyone go. can find a nice balance. So but at least you have a, a place to live and, and bills paid. Right. So that, that's what I certainly did. I, I made uh, engineering half my life and, and music the other half. And now it's kind of encroaching almost all the way more. I still do engineering as a day job. Mm-hmm. But I got to tell you, the music is a is a huge component of what I do. And so moving from university and singing with all of those groups. I mean, as I left university, I left my master's degree. And, you know, at the end of that, we always go through this process. Hey, we're leaving university. What do we do with mm-hmm. these years and years of, of our legacy of, of musical creation, our talent that we've we've honed and, and developed over this time we've, we spent together? And of course, the first thing you start to think is, hey, how can I keep these relationships? And so I built with three of my co-conspirators <laughs> to build this, this first just sort of post-collegiate fun kick around group mm-hmm. that turned much and much more serious until now 10 years later we've been on multiple world tours we, we just released our third album we now manage three different properties four if you count our custom corporate services we have a international festival entering its 10th year next year i mean there's so much that we've now built up over this time and it all came from this burning desire to do more with the people that i loved and the art form that i hold so dear and so that's 
been what I've done and I and I, I've never stopped. And you know, you always look back and think, wow, that was such a you know, I was really overextended or I was trying too many things here, but look at what it's gotten you to. And oh, so yeah. I, I I don't I don't regret anything I've done and I'm so excited to see what happens next. That's awesome. Thank you. You mentioned that countermeasure manages a few different groups. Can you tell us how you would distinguish the individual identities of the three different groups that you manage or more if there's more than that? We manage and operate three different branded groups mm-hmm. and a fourth sort of white label corporate service okay. brand. So so countermeasure music is, is a company. Right. It started as a sort of post-collegiate band. Mm-hmm. And then over the time, we've expanded what we do to as a, a production company. So we record albums to a corporate service company. So we do a lot of private work, which right. I'll talk about in the fourth brand. And then as a representation and management organization for the specific brands we have. So countermeasure as a brand is really well-recognized countermeasure acapella the band itself mm-hmm. is well-recognized as a leader in the acapella jazz world okay. so it's a real risk taker when it comes to you know very rich harmony it's a very it's a fairly large group 13 mm-hmm. members so that really defines its identity and the capabilities and possibilities mm-hmm. with harmonic structures with that many people it's got full-time paid art well for the most part paid artistic staff and our conductor and arranger and artistic director that runs the show Aaron Jensen is a fantastic not only sort of visionary from a musical perspective but also he's a fantastic composer so our albums feature very heavily or sometimes exclusively original co- compositions custom made for the group and custom made for our, our goals and names. So that's been Countermeasure's sort of calling card. We've, we've got three albums that we just released the third one and more things to come. We've spent a lot of time touring internationally and we've won awards, including we got a Cara for one of the things mm-hmm. we, we've done on our original music. And that's by far the most distinguished group of the brands we have for what, what it does. The second is BeatSync, which is an eight piece sort of electronic pop group okay. uh, featuring a lot of like live looping to kind of bring the idea of layered drums as you might find in a in, in pop or mm-hmm. electronic music and add a lot of textures that eight voices really can't do on its own and, and textures and effects live I and mean, that's a, a little bit of a younger group whereas countermeasure skews towards mid 30s okay. uh, right now in terms of age. Beatsync's more mid to late 20s and it's five years post-collegiate counters more measures, more like 10 years post-collegiate. Okay, okay. And Beatsync's fantastic. We've toured it a couple times and they're working on their the first EP with some featuring some of their sort of innovative takes on pop music with sort of this acapella electronic mm-hmm. bend, which is cool. We really love doing that. And the third is a group called the Ruach Singers, which is a special sort of bend of acapella. It's under the religious context. It, it We perform at uh, synagogues and at Jewish events. Primarily it is a Jewish culture group. We sing a lot in Hebrew. Hebrew, we sing a lot. Oh, wow. we, we sort of pull on liturgical music. But the key behind it is it's not at all built on the stylings of liturgical or traditional Jewish music. Instead, it's kind of re-envisioned. We call it tradition re-envisioned. It takes brand new approaches to liturgical and Jewish cultural music and kind of puts it through the ringer and challenges our audiences who are really used to hearing a certain thing to accept the you know the melodies and the lyrics that they're familiar in a completely different context with totally different orchestration instrumentation. And that is a fully professional eight-member group. And we We've, we've toured it as well. We've recorded an album with them. It was released a few years ago called Crossroads. And it, it's, yeah, it's fantastic. In better times, we perform uh, a couple times a month at a sort of patron synagogue here okay. in Toronto, but take it on the road when we can. Awesome. Yeah, and the, it, the fourth is, is, is this thing called Singers Everywhere. And okay. Singers Everywhere is a sort of white label brand. We work for uh, big uh, corporations and private buyers who want to either get um, privately recorded acapella music. So we, we've got a couple of people who've we've recorded, quietly recorded albums for them. Oh, nice. Um, so they, you know, the, the, the voices 
you hear on their album is actually us providing all those tracks and written and scaled to what they need. Or we work for some big companies who wanted to produce events or marketing stunts and things like that. So we've worked for 20th Century Fox. Wow. Uh, we worked on the, the Toronto release of The Greatest Showman. Wow. Uh, we worked for Marriott Courtyard Hotels, where we did it through, they did a big North by Northeast, which is a big Toronto music festival. They did a big Pitch Perfect special night okay. and we created and produced all that. Uh, we've done flash mobs for our, uh, some of the, our biggest brands like Chapters Indigo, which is, which is kind of like the largest physical bookseller in Toronto. Oh, wow. in, in Canada, so it's our largest uh, retail for books and things like that. We do, you know, programming all around the city. So even now, we've, we, we have our singers everywhere, virtual carolers okay. showing up in an on-demand app for some of our oh. business improvement associations here in Toronto. It's kind of how we do white label services using the singers. We've curated over our 10 years of operations, plus the artistic staff we have to sort of twist them into really interesting shapes. And the, the people who want to buy things and call it their own name, and you can do whatever you want with it. It's, it's been a really cool part of this. That's awesome. So, Brian, I don't know yes. about you, but I am blown away. I'm, I'm just, just like, like, wow. I'm like, my goodness, what a, a collection of groups and just like so many different areas here. Yeah. And, I, and then there's just as I'm listening to uh, you, JM, just like describe everything that's attached here to uh, Countermeasure, two things stood out to me. It was like one, like each of the group just really has its own niches, has mm-hmm. its own market and allows you guys to really just diversify. Well, and they've got their own, they each got their own identity, which is awesome. Yeah. And then the second part of the question a little bit there, (laughs) but thanks for reminding us. But the second thing I wanted to ask, because I know I'm pretty sure I'm confident that I know this, but you sing with three of the groups, but do you also sing with the fourth group? as well? Yeah, so so for the for singers everywhere, most I, I act in a management okay. role. I and my co-owners of Countermeasure Music orchestrate these things. But as I said, we've got a stable um, of about a hundred singers we call on in oh. different capacities to fill those roles. So for the Toronto Pearson Airport, which is one of the largest airports in North America, it's mm-hmm. huge traffic. We did a program where we, we employed 62 singers wow. over the course of a few weeks of Man. constant work for them across the airport. And that's like those, those we scale up. I mean, the great showman we had uh, i think 45 singers doing a flash mob for that and so you know i can sometimes perform with them I, I play the role i do but mostly it's about creating branded content and there's a huge amount of work in the production side of things so it, mostly i spend my time there and in, in on-site management rather than singing and, and and doing vocal percussion yeah it sounds like you're attached quite heavily to the business side which is interesting because i'm like as you were saying earlier you know you do you have your day job you know with engineering and then you have all of this which i'm like just listening i'm like it sounds even more impressive that you're right. able to accomplish all of these things but like h- how is this how is this balance with with yeah. everything because you know the business part i think in acapella groups and vocal groups it's so easy just to focus on the music and that's all we're really you know typically i think most people are, are typically involved with is just the music side whereas you like you're saying here you're you're doing so much more than just you know ranging or finding gigs you're managing everything so how do you find that balance with everything that you're doing that's a good question first and foremost i have a i have a really a very understanding employer before COVID hit i was already most remote I, I, okay. I travel for work and I and I speak to clients that's what I that's what I sort of do okay. my employer is very understanding and the work that I do can often be done on the road oh, which nice. is very handy so I, I might you know work from 9 a.m to 3 p.m and then I'm off for a sound check in you know British Columbia Canada because mm-hmm. I'm on tour and then I'll pick up the sort of asynchronous work after the show at like 9 p.m and so I'll put in a full eight hour day but I the rest the rest of the time is spent getting ready for the show and and doing a, a show and then sort of doing the post on that so it, it I balance it by really flexing the time that I I have at work. And then also I just, you know, a lot of the things that, that I do in terms of business management don't require what I, what I can call, once again, calling it synchronous work. I don't necessarily need to be working during 
my nine to five job to get all the things done. So I correspond by email or I have meetings and phone calls and site walkthroughs with them after hours because it's actually when they want to do it for a lot of our clients anyways. That just tends to work out. And, and, you know, I got to say, I've been extremely fortunate over the past 10 years to be able to build the trust and credibility with our network of partners and agents and bookers and distributors and things like that who know what we do and why we do it and and trust us to deliver. So they're not always calling me up and asking me things at 2 p.m. saying, (laughs) oh my God, can you just walk me through this again? I don't trust you're going to deliver what you say you're going to deliver. And like, no, we've established our credibility. And as a result, it lets me be able to maintain a day job and be able to manage what is ultimately a pretty large effort to keep all these these pieces going. And I mean, besides that, I I, once again, I come from a a musical household where my parents were both performing musicians full-time and my mother was an agent full-time and two full-time jobs is a thing that I'm just used to people having. So that level of rigor, that level of drive is something that raised me. And as a result, I feel feel pretty comfortable making this my lifestyle. And I've I've always done that. I mean, geez, I, as I said, in university, I was spent more time in rehearsal than I did in class. And I was in (laughs) one of the hardest engineering schools in Canada. Every acapella person's life right there. So it's been years of training. But uh, honestly, what we do, what we do matters, not just for our art form representing for acapella, but also to the people who hear it. We make music that we care about, that touches people, that moves them, that makes them, that, that makes them feel connected to humanity and the world around them. Particularly right now, that's so important. And to know that that we're doing that and we're, we're keeping musical artists employed in, in Canada and here in Toronto, giving opportunities, growing the whole space, that's what matters. And that's what really keeps me motivated and moving towards this. And that's that's actually why, actually now almost 10 years ago, I, I founded with a couple other music industry professionals, the Sing the Toronto Vocal Arts Festival, which is an acapella festival based here in Toronto, but with roots worldwide. There's festivals that have now gone on under that Sing the Blank Arts Festival banner in Texas and in Edinburgh. And so it's we're just trying our best to represent and help spread the message of acapella the same way kind of you guys are in our own little way. <laughs> so yeah, it, it, that's what drives me and that's how I balance it. I just make it all work because it matters and, and we yeah. really care about it. Well, it sounds like you're doing an amazing job with it. I, with all I your am different curious. Endeavors. So in addition to managing all of this and your day job, you've also managed to participate in like the performance aspect for for multiple groups. I'm curious, what are some things that you think should be considered for individuals who are interested in doing something like that? And how can they be successful in doing that with basically avoiding some sort of burnout? Yeah, that's a great question. I honestly, it is a very high demand, Mm -hmm. particularly when you think like for every group that I perform with, I sing and and do vocal percussion for all three groups in some capacity, depending Mm -hmm. on which song, what what requirement is, as well as managing and doing things. So I'm the first one to show up. I'm the last one to leave Mm -hmm. everything. And that that can be very strenuous. But the way that I always handle it is compartmentalization. Like somebody has to do the thing that I'm doing. Mm -hmm. And so I sort of get into business manager mode and I say like, listen, I I have to be the one to the contract on hand and enforce all the terms and liaise with a client and make sure that all of our dressing rooms are set and I make sure that our sound tech has access to the space in the right capacity and mm-hmm. I'm going to be there early anyways and so right. I'm in that mode and then at a certain point in time once everything is settled I take a couple of minutes to sort of reorient my brain and mm-hmm. say okay now it's time to warm up okay and now all I have to worry about is being a performer I trust the people that I've hired, mm-hmm. that the company employs, I trust the team to deliver. And so now I just have to do the best I can to do my part in the delivery of the music. And so that's when I group up with the rest of my bandmates. We sort of get into that mode. And now I'm 100% in. I am a performer. I'm in that. I'm just, everything else has fallen to the wayside. And then after the show, once again, I go out, I meet the audience, we sell CDs, we sign autographs. And then I always leave first to make sure that those things are taken care of. Mm-hmm. And now I'm back in that mode. I take off my suit, which is countermeasure. Actually, each of the groups sort of wears a specific 
specific coordinated kind of color scheme mm-hmm. and, or look. I take off my suit and I'm back and ready to go. I'm like, here is back in business manager. Let's pack our stuff up. Let's do a sort of a reconciliation on everything. Let's make sure everything, we're all set and then we can go. And then people will come back and be like, oh, hey, Jim, how was it? I'm, no, no, you know, I'm doing this thing. Like, we got to get this done. <laughs> Thank you. So it's good to see you. I'm much love. I'll give you a hug. We'll see you at rehearsal next week. But right now I'm going to run this, run this so thing. So you're very, so very compartmentalization. focused. Yeah, it's, it's just, it's, it's just focused on each side of the house and you, mm-hmm. you have to flip the, the script as, as you will on what you're doing and be all in on that thing because distraction or half measures lead to things falling through the cracks. And, you know, I'll be honest, starting this out, I wasn't anywhere near as capable as I am today. Mm-hmm. And things did fall through the cracks <laughs> and we somehow survived that. But I think the hardest lessons I've learned, uh, sort of the, the struggles and failures have really prepared me the most to be successful in the future as it always does. And so I think now we've really reached a point where I'm able to keep everything straight. And on, the other thing is that success and particularly financial success of the company, which is I have a background in business management. Mm-hmm. That's one of the things I studied at school. So the uh, financial success of the company has allowed us to hire better and better people to take over part of those duties for me. So I'm able to pass off and delegate to our fantastic and wonderful technical director, Christopher Poole, our wonderful stage manager and monitor engineer, Joey Assad, our really fantastic agent and a- advocate, uh, Jenny DeMerchant, who take a lot of these burdens. And of course, um, somebody who's supported us the entire time, Pat Silver, who's also my co-manager at the Sing Festival. All of them have really made the logistics really work. And then I can just trust, you know, Aaron Jensen and, and my sort of co- co-owners, Elena Steingart and Tara Park to just do the job that are necessary to be able to sort of let these things go, perform our best and know that everything's taken care of. Awesome. awesome. What I've been thinking okay. of as JM has been telling us how he tackles all of this. How do you eat an elephant? How do you eat an elephant? Yeah. How do you eat an elephant? Like little pieces? Chop them one bite at a time. One bite at a time. That's, that's right. That's the one. <laughs> I'm like, I knew there was a phrase that I needed to say, but I could not like form it. Um, oh yeah. But all of that, the thing that came to mind is just this idea of presence which jam you touched on it's like being in the moment when you're needed like you said you're able to flip that switch of you know here's a time when i need to be a performer here's a time i need to be the business manager here's a time when i need to just delegate these other responsibilities and i I really think that's super vital that you really only understand as you have just like spent time and you gained that experience at the end of the day because as you're young and you're eager you want to just take on the world but like you said with so much so many years of experience it just it just comes and it feels comfortable and uh, unfortunately On that note, we do have to take a quick commercial break, but don't go anywhere because we've been having an exciting conversation with J.M. Erlinson of Countermeasure Music, and we're going to continue speaking with him when we return on Talkapella. Justin Glodich has done a lot in music, directed a collegiate group, performed on a reality TV show, and now he's in the classroom as a music educator, and he's got a show all about it. Aka Education focuses on how to bring contemporary acapella into music classrooms, and you can hear it right here, Thursdays at 7 p.m. East, 4 p.m. West, and again on rebroadcast Sundays at 8 a.m. and 8 p.m. East, 5 a.m. and 5 p.m. West. It's also part of the Acaville Podcast Network at podcast.acaville.org. And welcome back to Acapella. That's right. We've been here with J.M. Erlinson of Countermeasure, and he's just got so much to teach us and it's just been really fun so if if you are just now joining us make sure you go back and listen to that first segment because you will not regret it jm during the break you mentioned that you have a background in business which we've we've talked about a little bit on the show as well and brian was talking about these young professionals who are young and eager and, and wanting to get things started so i'm curious what what can what advice can you give to young professionals who maybe don't know a lot about the business management side of things yeah that, that that's a great question and and it's funny every time i talk to groups particularly post collegiate groups, mm-hmm. semi-professional groups who are trying to get out there and do their thing and also support what they do. You know, business management is really second or third tier <laughs> thing they're thinking about um, right. because, you know, folks, first it's a family and then it's a music thing and then and they think, ah, oh, well, I mean, somebody has to manage the business. <laughs> oh, man, somebody needs to keep the kitty here so we can buy beers for ourselves. And you know what? That's a great, honestly, that's a fantastic way of doing it.
readings, but I can I can tell you that sound financial management and valuing what you do is not just a great way of helping to earn money, but also to really establish the value of, of acapella and establish it as a standard. I can tell you that particularly in Toronto, I've, I've spent a lot of time working to establish fair rates of pay for acapella singers. You know, there are nightmare stories about Christmas caroler services <laughs> that will pay their people oh peanuts yeah. an hour. So you'll, you'll drive 30 minutes each way and you'll end up walking with 40 bucks for your time. Like that's, yeah. I mean, we don't, we certainly don't do that. So the first thing I would say in the, the biggest advice for people who are trying to get in this, in, into this and really, really do something with acapella is value what you do. Know that it's worth a lot more than, you know, the 50 bucks somebody offers you for, for an hour long concert. <laughs> and we, we, we've gotten, we get those offers all as well. Just be clear that they're, you know, you should be paid fairly for your time. Expect that if everyone is putting in, you know, a group of 10 people are each putting in five hours for you to get to the gig and play and then go home. Plus all the time you put in beforehand, you should be charging a fairly substantial rate and you should be getting it because right. also the businesses that are hiring you have the capacity to pay. They just don't necessarily want to unless right. you ask for it. So first is value what you do. Now, the second is, is, is make sure that you have a, a framework that allows you to keep that money and track that money inside the organization. So build an organizational structure. No, someone who's keeping the, those finances, set up a mm -hmm. bank account for your company, for the company, quote unquote, that, that is running the, the business and make sure that you have tracking on where that money is coming in, where it's going out, what you want to do, understand how that matches up with what with the inco income you're getting from gigs. Do more things for, you know, maybe less so you can drive forward revenue to make uh, an EP and then start selling it at your shows so you can recoup some of those costs. And particularly, I know, I don't know how, how much you can do in the US, but particularly in Canada, I, I also heard, heard around the world, there are a few sources like this. Government grants do exist and That's government sure. and foundation grants. So look that up, look it up in your state, look it up in your province. Mm -hmm. If you're in Canada, there's a ton of, of <laughs> government funded programs that will help you create music. But even wherever you're listening from, I'm sure there's also corporate foundations that have small grants to arts producers. There are sometimes even like a music incubator programs you can look up and apply for. Don't sell yourself short. Go out for those. Apply for everything. I, I would say we apply I mean, countermeasure for somewhere around 20 grants per year wow. on average. And we get between probably three, somewhere between three and eight, depending on okay. what we're doing that year. But that can amount to a huge oh, amount yeah. of possibility. So having someone manage that from a business perspective. And then also as a young group, try and nurture your professional network. Never forget that your dentist or your doctor or your, you know, your friend who works at a big company, they're all looking for things to, to hire. They might also might know people mm -hmm. who are hiring, who are looking for entertainment. Find agencies. So look up agencies in your area who are booking entertainment. So if you go to a mall and you see a band on the stage, ask the band, hey, well, who is your agent? Oh, okay. You know, go up and approach other artists, find and make those connections. Then go and pitch yourself. So create collateral. Even if it's as simple as an iPhone recording that you can show off to somebody and they can say, hey, I think I can probably book this in for a thousand dollars somewhere and make a little something on the side. Now you're getting, you know, 80% right, of that right. or 70% of that. Like you nurture your professional network, even as a young group and know that there's a lot of money flowing for hiring entertainment and that you can certainly be part of that picture and you should be able to find that opportunity. And so as a business manager, always be making calls, cold calls mm -hmm. to anyone who will, who will take your call and explain who you are, explain what acapella is, because oftentimes they don't know and re refer to things like Pitch Perfect, refer to things like the Sing Off, refer to Pentatonix. They'll, mm -hmm. they'll know those sorts oh, of yeah. things. Mm -hmm. And as long as they can make those sort of connections, they can see, hey, this is saleable. This is possible. Yeah, I can sell you guys. Let's give you a shot. And so that, yeah. those are those are some things. Value what you do. Make sure you've got good 
structure and management. Look for money in places you wouldn't expect it and find professional contacts um, in your area. They're a lot closer than you think and they're always looking for the next pe- you know, people to book in. Yeah, I like that. I love that idea that you brought up and this kind of this concept of like anyone can be a referral at the end of the day for, for yeah. gigs because um, I was thinking back when uh, I was living in Utah and singing with the group I've since with rejoined me. with Alicia. But like one of our gigs that we did, it was for it was for like this uh, festival and we got that because of a, a guy that I worked with, you know, and he found out somehow that I sing and he, and somehow he found out that I was part of an acapella group and he was like, hey, we're putting on this event. Why don't you guys come and, you know, we'll pay you for it. And I was like, okay, yeah, easy. Which one was right that? There. That was the, oh man, I don't even remember the name of the festival anymore. What Do you know was where it? it was? Yeah, it was really close to Salt Lake. It Was, was it like, West Fest? Ooh, maybe, maybe that was it. It was like one of the last things I did. But yeah, so I really like that you're putting this out there. And another thing about the idea of grants, I think that a lot of times, at least in the U.S., which I'm glad that you're bringing up and giving us your uh, perspective on it as someone who lives in Canada is like we think that funding and grants and things like that only apply to like organizations that are affiliated with schools at the end of the day. Right. I'm not sure to what extent inversion during the time I wasn't in it has like looked into any oh, of that. Oh, we haven't. But not I, at all. Right. We and should. I don't think that many groups, oh, yeah. uh, post-collegiate groups even think to look into that. So that's another mm-hmm. valuable asset right there that we should all be exploring. And all of this is making me think since we're talking business here with so much going on, we know how, how hard it is for groups to just like really garner business right now in this day yes, and age. Right now. Concerts are just like uh, non-existent. That's probably the biggest question mark is, you know, when are concerts coming back? When can we do live mm-hmm. events and things like that? And what we're seeing as a result of all this, we're seeing so many more music videos. We're seeing all these virtual performances. And we know that some groups are attempting like virtual concerts, which we know you have experience with. And so I'm curious, where do groups begin as they're trying to think of, if I'm going to put on one of these virtual events, where do I even start? And I'm not just talking about how to make a video. I'm talking about doing like these live concert. What mm-hmm. do we do? Yeah, it's a good question. Uh, I mean, there are there are lots of resources out there that are a lot more accessible than they once were. I mean, home recording systems are, are a lot cheaper than they were. Doing heads and boxes videos. I mean, there's lots of software out there that's a lot easier to use than it has been in the past. And that's fantastic. But one of the things you, you, you want to do is you want to balance just releasing content for the purpose of building followership and being one of the sort of, you know, another heads and boxes video out there so you're not <laughs> forgotten in the, in the mix. And balance that with finding ways of, of generating revenue off mm-hmm. of those sorts of enterprise. So what I can tell you is we switched to a virtual concert model, but not necessarily for public, sort of pay what you can style okay. or like for YouTube hits. Okay. We went to festivals that we knew had funding from previous years or particularly in Canada, like festivals will be funded year over year. And there's a lot of like like rules that they can't keep that money unless they use it. Mm-hmm. So festivals and municipalities. So a lot of municipalities have like summer concert programs mm-hmm. and that stuff is funded by private donors right. or foundations or corporations. That money is still there and they lose it if they don't use it. So mm-hmm. what we do is we, rec- we recorded videos and sold those videos with specialized introductions to every song, making reference to the oh. buyer, putting special specialized content in there for them. Mm-hmm. So while it was a heads and boxes video and, you know, ostensibly what would you, we could have just released to YouTube as per normal. <laughs> instead, it, instead, it was actually customized and, and specifically made for these clients. And so we've done a couple of these, like the, instead of, once again, instead of asking for tips, it is selling to a festival. Mm-hmm. Hey, if we were, if we were on your stage, you'd be paying us, you know, one or $2,000, mm-hmm. yep. something like that. And now instead you can pay a similar amount because you already have the funding, but 
instead we're going to give you a custom piece of video. And mm -hmm. it's not a small effort. I'll say that the video editors who had to deal with it and the audio editors like, you know, man, much love to those folks. They, they put in a ton of work, <laughs> but, but it pays off right. because you can now generate revenue. And now you also have that piece of collateral. So you put a, a term of exclusiveness on the release. And then once that's done, you can re-release it yourselves mm -hmm. and maybe get you know, more attention on you through your own YouTube. But its premiere, its exclusiveness was through those festivals. We actually did that for, I think, three different festivals and for two different corporations, three different corporations. So point of um, so corporations are also having annual meetings, uh -huh. right? Mm -hmm. they're all, they're right. having these, all these Zoom meetings and they're boring as all heck. Like <laughs> those, I mean, once again, I work at, I work at a, an engineering yeah, and software yeah. company. So I'm used to Zoom meetings kind of getting a little dry. Mm -hmm. So they're looking for interesting interstitial entertainment. Mm -hmm. Interstitial entertainment is, is sort of the, the, the buzzword there. And so we'll record five minutes or 10 mm -hmm. minute stings with their branding all over it. <laughs> and with all, with like just essentially sold entirely to them with the, with the promise of this like hot young group or whatever doing this cool new art form but it's all about our company and that works and they they'll, they'll buy and we've been able to once again sell it to a few different organizations who have been really happy and gotten great responses from their participants and so it's a win for everybody it's money that they had already allocated in their marketing budget it's in their conference budget and it's money that we can that we can now use to continue to support our operations despite the pandemic so for clarification if i'm understanding this correctly groups don't just have to like look at hosting you know this hour two hour long concert you know online somewhere what they can do is attach themselves to an already established festival or organization and take Absolutely. advantage of that is what you're saying yeah and remember that it's now november mm -hmm. festivals have had like nine or eight eight months now to figure out what they're going to do mm -hmm. some of them many of them have folded and that's really sad yeah. or they've decided to not happen but the ones that haven't are <laughs> figuring out how to get virtual entertainment for the money they've already allocated. Right. Mm. So yeah, they got to spend yourselves, that money. Yeah. yeah, attach yourselves to festivals, attach yourselves to corporations, go after these virtual events. One of our wonderful agents up here in Canada, uh, the Idea Hunter is, a, is really a pioneer in doing virtual events. And they've really made it possible for me, for us to do a lot of these things. They've really sold that idea hard alongside their, their other entertainment. And it's been, I, I would say, very successful. And, and so we're one of these really interesting things you can add to your corporate entertainment that you might not have thought about. Mm -hmm. but you've still got budget for it. I love it. I, I'm really yeah. curious. Um, I, I do want to talk about Sing, but before we get to that, just for curiosity's sake, so really quick, has your engineering and, and engineering and programming? Something like that. We I, I work, okay. at, work at, a, at a software vendor okay. and I do the talking part of okay. how to sell things. Oh, okay. So uh, I'm curious. Ta ta talking slash engineering, I okay. suppose. Has thing. your company used your group for any sort of virtual performance? Or one, um, one I've of actually, your groups? I've actually specifically not done that um, <laughs> on, on purpose. Uh, there there are there are some, some lines that I'd prefer not to cross. Okay. Um, I understand. At, at company, <laughs> at two of our annual global meetings, I have stood up and performed mm -hmm. in front of a thousand wow. plus people at great personal career risk mm -hmm. and it's gone very well I, I brought my live looper to our global conference oh, in wow. spain and or i brought my looper like, like rc505 to our global conference mm -hmm. in spain and did a loop piece there it, it killed it was lots of fun and so i have performed there but i'm not using my group for that right now and i, I don't really intend to i feel mm -hmm. like there's a lot of things that i can do that are substantially lower awkwardness and uh <laughs> hey i get that, it that's that's a, that's a good use of everyone's time i think that's once fantastic. you do it once they're going to be asking about it on every break every time mm -hmm. they see you at lunch you know hey yeah. can you be bots <laughs> yeah <laughs> and, and yeah no I, I i get those questions and i will do it live on the i mean i spoke at uh, an industry conference mm -hmm. 
and the host had found out more about me from looking on Google and it was like, hey, can you beatbox? And I was like, you know what? Before I talk about why business process management is important for you and your organization, let me give you a, a few bars. <laughs> That's perfect. That's awesome. All right. So yes. seeing is the Toronto Vocal Arts Festival and next year marks the 10th anniversary of this festival. So how did you come up with this idea and how long did it take for it to come to fruition from the time that you thought of it? Yeah, so that, that's a great question. So Countermeasure had been around for about a year and a bit. And we had seen, as you might imagine, you know, being the business manager, mm -hmm. the first thing I started doing is looking what's next for Countermeasure. Okay, okay. so we're, now we're good enough to maybe do some shows. Okay, so now we're, could we be good enough to perform at larger things? Mm -hmm. And festivals came up. And we looked down south and we saw a bunch of really amazing mm -hmm. festivals in the US. We looked over to Europe and saw like the Aarhus Festival, Vocal Total, the, the Swingles, LACF and a ton of like amazing, amazing things that were going over there. And then we looked internally and Canada really didn't have much. We had Festival 500, Festival 500 growing the voices over in the East Coast, but that's really a choral festival. Nothing focused on acapella. And the first okay. thing we thought is with Toronto being such a hotbed for acapella, like the, the Nylons were in Toronto, yes. Cadence yes. was in Toronto. Mm -hmm. You know, This has been a, a retrocity is, is in Toronto. And there's a ton of like really great acapella happening here besides countermeasure. And we thought, you know, wouldn't it be amazing if we could A, showcase Canadian artists to our local audiences and secondly, bring artists from around the world to Toronto to inspire the next generation of, mm -hmm. of aspiring professionals and also students who want to find out some of the best. So since then, we brought, we've brought in Take Six, we've brought in the Swingle mm -hmm. Singers, we brought in Riotan, we brought in the New York Voices. We've had just this year, we had workshops by Accent. We've been bringing in some of these, some amazing, amazing artists from around the world. We had Naturally Seven, like, oh my goodness, they, they blew the roof, <laughs> off, roof off one of our- I wish they, I could they, have they, been they, there. They blew, out our, they blew out our speakers, they're the best, they're the best, <laughs> I, I love them so much. And it took a concerted effort by a really talented board who in the very first year each reached out in their pocket and lent the festival some some money to figure out whether or not we could do it and we paid everybody back after the first year That's awesome. to say like thank you for having faith in this mm -hmm. and then we became a charity we started receiving government funding wow. we started getting thousands of people to come out every year we have outdoor programming that attracts tens of thousands of people over the course of the, the couple weeks we run and it, it's just grown and grown and grown from there and as you might imagine 2020 threw us for a loop <laughs> but we postponed the festival six months and in that, in that six month we were able to, to switch it to an entirely online festival mm -hmm. featuring a lot of specially produced content. So we, we hired at a huge theater here in Toronto and filled it with the band that we wanted to bring in, the vocal bands we wanted to bring mm -hmm. in, and then four people. To the videographer, the sound engineer, wow. the stage manager, and the whole production manager. And that's it. So we were wow. able to do it completely safely filming in this brand new space. So singtoronto.com is where you, is where we, we were broadcasting all of these things mm -hmm. through. And it mm -hmm. was very effective. We were so happy to see lots of people showing up to, to see, you know, essentially the feeling of a live concert because right. it wasn't like we were just showing heads and boxes videos. We were actually mm -hmm. showing videos of live concerts made for this festival. We managed to, over many, many years of really hard work by, a, once again, a talented and very dedicated board, build up this organizational collateral, as we call it, and the, the knowledge of how to do this, the assets to be able to, to promote and support this this festival's operations, and ultimately the, the audience base who wants to come and see it. And we're looking forward to 2021. We just had a meeting this morning with our new executive leadership team, which is uh, now paid positions on, wow. we now have four paid positions 
positions that make our festival run every year. And it's I chair the, the board of directors who are all volunteer, of course. And it's it's just so inspiring to see what we've become and what we're going to be. So it's a, yeah, it's, it's it's really rewarding. And you know, the, the big plus is we get to to see and get feedback. That's the thing I love the most. We ask for feedback on every concert. Everyone who walks out the door, we try and give them these forms that they they fill out with all the things that they've they've seen, what they loved and okay. they didn't love, and the that's the the hugest reward to see feedback from from groups, from people, from just the community who love what we do. And there's one person in particular that I know. She went to a real group concert back when she was in high school and then ended up going and meeting us at a Pentatonix concert in Toronto when they were later not a part of our festival and being like, oh my goodness, I was so inspired by this. I'm going to go to the University of Toronto and I heard that there's amazing acapella there. Then she ended up musical directing one of the groups in the University of Toronto. Then as she left, she ended up founding a group that we now have as part of the rich tapestry of Toronto acapella and we now sing together. And what? It's like the, the growth of, you know, just, just as an example of a single individual, the growth of a single individual that it, it, that's what matters is giving back to the community, helping to, to nurture this community because if nobody does, then the community withers and right, withers right. on the vine. But if mm-hmm. you can take the time and you put the effort in, you can really make a big difference in helping to grow, sustain, and, you know, o- open up a possibility for this community to really thrive. Awesome. Yeah, I Thank think you. that that story that you just shared right there of that individual, that it kind of leads into answering probably this this next question but i'm, I'm still going to ask it anyway because i'm curious what kind of <laughs> sure. impact do you think you know seeing toronto's kind of just had on acapella in canada would you say it's just been you know the formation of more groups just greater interest it sounds like like you said it, it, it's become this charity kind of organization as well but what for you personally where, where do you see like the biggest impact this has had on the community yeah. as a charitable organization one of the things we do we have a focus on is education and for, particularly for young singers and particularly for young singers who wouldn't necessarily be able to do it without our support. So well, we have a wonderful, well, we have wonderful sponsors every year who help fund our school program that brings children, particularly from areas that, that don't have the means to the, to get the specialized education in to meet up with some of our amazing clinicians. Like a couple of years ago, we had Rockapella. Um, mm. and the oh, Rockapella nice. folks were, were, were running classes for kids from, from we call them neighborhood improvements areas. So places okay. that are, we're trying to grow up. That's the charitable side of things. And I can see that those are kids now. So we, we see those kids grow into high school where we start to get applications to our festival to perform from high school groups that are made up of wow. kids who were in our school program three, four, five years ago and inspired by it. Um, we see the formation of a, of a bunch of new groups. Um, the, the Canadian acapella scene has kept growing and growing and growing. You know, before it used to be University of Toronto and York University only, really. Mm-hmm. And now we're seeing groups that have, have really popped up and made a huge splash at, at, you know, a bunch of different universities. University of Waterloo, University of Guelph, you know, McMaster, McGill. There's tons of these universities across Ontario and Quebec and even across Canada who've come about in the past during the time that singing has existed. And it's not necessarily causational, but it's correlational. We have we have been pushing a cappella and more people have been thinking and creating as a result of that. And that's that's been huge. And we see more post-collegiate groups being formed, partially because the kids who are graduating don't have anywhere to go. And they still want to continue the, the music they're making. And also because we pay artists to come in and perform. Mm-hmm. So these groups have mechanisms of fundraising every year. Around May, <laughs> they, they can many of them can get a gig at Sing and, and actually get money for the work that's that they're awesome. doing and making music. So we focus a lot on that. And lastly, I think one of the most important things that Sing does, and it seems more subtle, but it's actually, to me, a huge, huge part of our mandate, is we have crossed the wires between worlds of vocal tradition. And I mean that from the acapella, classical choral, barbershop, 
world music, those things, we don't talk to each other ever. Yep. Mm-hmm. How often do you find an acapella group guesting on or playing with, with a barbershop quartet? Not often. In <laughs> no, fact, that, that's, yep. it's often disincentivized right. by communities being very insular. At Sing Toronto, we make a specific effort to reach out to and include those traditions in their own concerts, in their own workshops, and encourage each tradition and their membership to attend workshops and concerts from other traditions get involved in it. So I know I personally know many of my friends who are part of Contemporary Acapella who have now moved into Barbershop. Okay. And I know Barbershop mm-hmm. groups who have now started integrating vocal percussion into what they do. So of course they, they don't qualify for competition in that capacity, <laughs> but now they've got, you know, new they, they've taken these traditions from, from Contemporary Acapella. I now know a couple of classical choral style groups who are now large scale acapella ensembles mm-hmm. and now they work differently. And, you know, the, the, these sorts of things, this, this sort of crossing of the wires, the crossing of the divide between our traditions that's something we've we've really encouraged at Sing Toronto, and that's been something we've been successful in, and I'm I'm so proud of how that's come together. Yeah, I think that's what I love about these events, and especially like event like uh, yours here, is that it's just bringing together so many different areas of people. And like our show, we try and bring on different people, and you know, we've had barbershop guests before, we've had sound producers, we've had performers, and things like that. And I think what it takes at the end of the day is just awareness. And I love that you're mm-hmm. saying that Sing Toronto it brings people together to make them more aware of what's available out there to them because I think that's what, what it's going to take in order for us to gain uh, some greater harmony in this community is just people just realizing hey they're not too different you know for myself you know we all have our passions and it, it can be mm-hmm. amazing uh, oh yeah I just have one thing to say mm-hmm. and this is a bold statement Brian Uh-oh. I mm-hmm. don't know that we have had someone on Tacapella who has made in my opinion at least as much of an impact on the acapella community as JM has. I'm not saying that to brown nose or anything. What's really <laughs> unfortunate though is that it's time for us to take another commercial break. Oh, I see. What you, you're listen, we all got to pay the bills. Yeah. I, I get that. <laughs> but don't go anywhere because we will be right back for some fun with JM on Tacapella. Want to learn from the best? You should check out Acapella Masterclass where professionals at the top of their field show you how they became the best and how you can too. Learn from award-winning experts like Kristen Dennehy, Lisa Forgish, Trinfris Rounsfeld, Aaron Jensen, Blake Lewis, and more. We discuss topics like arranging, barbershop, beatboxing, composition, looping, social change, and things of the like. Go to acapellamasterclass.com to learn all the details. Acaville, helping you be the best acapella musician you can be. And we're back on Tacapella with J.M. Erlinson, and it has been just such a fantastic conversation. Um, we were, during the break, talking about how there's just so much we wanted to talk about that we weren't able to get to. And so if, if you have not listened to the episode, you're just now joining us, please go back and listen to the rest of it because it's just been so, so fun. But, I mean, and speaking of fun, we are going to get to our tradition on the show of rapid-fire questions. So, J.M., we have 10 questions just to get to know you a little bit better and i'll go ahead and just start all right what is one thing i must do or see if i'm visiting toronto you need to walk along the waterfront Uh, it's incredibly beautiful and there's so much greenery and green Mm -hmm. space that whole area is incredibly beautiful Awesome. Nice. Thank you. So question two. What is your most memorable performance experience? Our most, my most memorable performance experience was with Countermeasure 
in Japan in 2018. Mm-hmm. I thought they, that we had been booked in a 250 seat like rehearsal studio, mm-hmm. and the we got onto the, the elevator and they pushed the button for the main hall, and it's an, it's a it's an 1800 seat hall. No and, way! And we were like, nobody knows us. Nobody knows us. Why are, why did you push that button? We walk out and we do our sound check and we walk out on stage and I'm like, there's no one going to be here and there's the place is nearly full. Wow. And I'm I'm like, who are you? Why are you here? You don't know us. We don't know you. Why have you come to see the, we're just some random Canadians. And, and they're, and they're crying and I'm, and I'm crying and it's like, this is crazy. That was, that was, oh man, it was so good. Oh, it was so good. And it was just a beautiful moment just to have this surprise and, and, just really like connected moment with with that's why we that's why we go back to Japan and we've been back we we've been back we'll be back again. That's awesome. Man. Cats or dogs? Cats. I have Woo! a cat. She, oh my goodness! We she found she is one. the queen. She is the queen. <laughs> Her name is Meow Meow. We oh sing to her. God. She named herself. What, what are you going to do? Yeah, there you go. I, I have three cats, so I appreciate that very much. Question four. What is your weirdest performance experience? Weirdest performance experience. Oh, my goodness. Oh, this is a good one. <laughs> oh, uh, go. So weirdest performance experience. The group BeatSync, I love them very dearly. And BeatSync is always game for crazy, like, whatever. So we're going to just do it. <laughs> and we flew to China on, I'm going to say, a pretty good guarantee that it was going to be okay, and also an uncertainty whether or not it was. We just said, you know what? Let's just do it. Let's just let's just hope it works. And so we ended up going to what appeared to be an abandoned, fully functional theater with millions of dollars of equipment that no one knew how to operate who was there. And <laughs> and due to government regulations, they could not turn on the air conditioner in the no. middle of summer. So no. we sound checked in 42 degrees Celsius heat, so about 115 or something like that. Oh. And we, so we sound checked inside in 115 degrees. Hmm. And as it turned out, because we were the only a cappella group in this choral festival, no one had thought to say the word monitors and so we've got this multi-million dollar oh, no. the biggest facility in the whole province in china that didn't have monitors oh. and we're all it's beatsync is a loop-based group oh, everything okay. is locked <laughs> in to the groove and so we performed for i believe the premier of the province trying to hold our stuff together with a loop that no one could hear but me because i'm on in-ears in a huge sold out 20 200 seat theater that we had barely survived a sound check in and oh, i have a picture of it and my phone was so fogged up because it was so hot oh. um, of us bowing in front of this huge audience where but we'd held it together and that was quite the the shenanigan laden <laughs> performance experience that was oh my goodness no that was, monitors that was a weird heat. no no oh, monitors blazing heat terrible. no one who spoke english one of the other choirs had a bunch of people running around that tripped over our power cable during sound check on of course, Looper. Oh, no. It's like so. It, it was it was shenanigans. Like the whole tour was shenanigans laden. That was um, Murphy's Law. Oh man, I, I mean, it's a, it's a much longer story. But one of the participants of one of the choirs died on that in that <gasps> festival because they fell into a live wire in the hotel that wasn't connected. Oh my god! It's a very interesting oh whole thing. It wasn't us. It wasn't our group. But it was very sad, and that group went home, and oh. it was bad. But we are definitely planning on going back to China. <laughs> Just maybe with a, little, a few more safety precautions. 
Okay, you know, maybe I can't understand first that. Yeah. Oh, what boy. is your favorite non-musical activity? My favorite non-musical activity? I am an avid Dungeons and Dragons <gasps> player. Uh-oh. Yes, I love D&D. It's a, it's a big part. And as you might imagine, as we are locked down in quarantine, the internet is full <laughs> of fantastic shows to watch and Discord servers to play on. So yes. I love playing Dungeons and Dragons. I, I play, so I appreciate that. Next question. If you could ask an omniscient being one random question, what would it be? One random question. I oh man, I feel like I feel like the 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 easiest thing to ask them. Is, I don't even know if I, I want to know anything about my. I, I I would say I would ask them for advice. I would I would ask an omniscient being, not necessarily like based on everything they know, what would be their advice on how to best live your life and best live and for me to best live my life. I would want them to give me advice. Because I feel like as much as I've done, as much as I've, as I have confidence in some of the things that I do, it would be really good to hear somebody who I'm certain is correct tell me some <laughs> ideas on how to move forward. I like that. I like it. I like that too. I'm going to change this question slightly. No. Ryan. Just a Why? little bit. Just a little bit. JM, can you tell us what is your guilty pleasure movie or TV show? Okay. Guilty pleasure movie or TV show? So, oh boy. I don't know if you ever watch superhero TV shows. Oh, of course. They come in, in layers of terrible. Some are okay. <laughs> and some are the television show, which I watched religiously, that boy did it suck, called The Tomorrow People. Oh, oh boy. I it's I've not even that. that deep a cut. It's real bad. I never watched Boy, that. Why did I love that show? <laughs> it was horrible. But oh, I loved it. So if you can look up the Tomorrow People, don't watch it. Don't watch it. <laughs> to watch it. But it's oh, it's just terribly written, and it's the. But it's got. I think it's Robbie Amell. Oh, um, okay. Yeah. Stephen Amell's brother, who mm. plays Ollie Queen on on Arrow, Arrow, and he's the main character. And it could have been mediocre, but its highest aspiration was mediocrity. And boy, did it really underdeliver. But I watched every episode. <laughs> I'm like, you just pretty much promoted the show for us to like yes, watch Yes, you did. Ourselves. Oh, if I can actually promote a thing that is not even a guilty pleasure, but should be everyone's pleasure. It's we're heading into the holiday times. The Polar Express, the movie, <gasps> oh, is my favorite movie I in the world. I love that movie. It's love it. got an incredible soundtrack uh-huh. and it's got a lot of Tom Hanks, who is yes, still does. a gem oh, yeah, of a human maybe. being, yep, yep. as far as I know. Yes. I really hope he is. And it and like the singing is great. The mm-hmm. action is great. I cry every time. It is watch a the Polar Express. Movie. Not a guilty pleasure. Yeah. It is a truly honorable pleasure. Just yes, a pleasure. All right. Next question. What would be the theme song to your life? Oh, uh, 100% the theme song from DuckTales. Life is like a hurricane. Here yeah, 100%. Yes. Race cars, lasers, aeroplanes? Yes, I'm, I am in for everything about that yes. theme song. Like solving mystery, I, history. Yes, I want to take take DuckTales theme song. I, 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 I claim you. I love it. What is one thing on your performing bucket list that you haven't had the chance to do yet? So I have a really specific answer for this because it's been my dream for a few years. Okay. So you won't necessarily know this show because it's not that popular unless you live in Japan. But if you live in Japan, you absolutely know it. It is called the Red and White Festival. Mm. It is a New Year's concert on the public broadcaster NHK in Japan. And the Red and White Festival is girls versus boys. Um, There are girl groups. There are boy groups. They perform. They get scored by a panel of guest judges and everyone at home has a clicker on their television for voting in this show alone (laughs) that they can subscribe to and it is the biggest event in music in Japan it features virtuous I would say Japanese groups you have to have like a clean record of no scandals and people will perform on the show every year for like 50 years and I love to watch that show 
every year and I've been watching it for a few years now. It's fantastic. And very occasionally, very occasionally, they have non-Japanese guests on. Ooh, so for instance, there we uh, go. I mean, we're talking about a level of fame that we at Countermeasure only dream of. But last year, they had Kiss guesting on it. What? Um, and because they had the Japanese artist who really loved Kiss and they brought, he just reached out to them and brought them on the show. Wow. <laughs> so when Countermeasure was in Japan and a couple times ago, we were guesting on a show with um, Sato Chikusen, which is a pop star from the 80s and 90s with Sing Like Talking. Mm-hmm. Um, we were on his like sort of variety, big sort of yearly show he has called Cross Your Fingers. We were like a surprise guest and that was so fantastic. Wow. And I thought, if Sato Chikusen ever gets on to <laughs> Red and White, I hope he will think of us so that he can bring on his favorite Canadian acapella accompaniment yeah. for, for his very famous song, The Spirit of Love. And we would be on the Red and White Festival at NHK headquarters in the biggest <laughs> Japanese festival of the year around singing and music that That's is my awesome. very not secret dream and i've told everyone in countermeasure <laughs> if that call comes in we are dropping whatever we have to drop yeah. we're going that's so awesome i, I am it. like so hoping that works out for you guys i'm oh, like yeah, i want too. you guys to be on there now it, it's a big <laughs> ask it's like saying i'd like to perform at the super bowl but, oh, yeah. of japan but it is there and it, the, the expression of gambare we have to do our best and All someday right. we may get that chance i love it oh great Perfect. All right. Final question. What is one thing that is always in your fridge? Something that's always in my fridge, but by necessity, QP mayonnaise. QP mayonnaise? What is that? QP mayonnaise is a Japanese mayo that is the most delicious tasting mayonnaise. K-E-W-P-I-E. QP mayo. It is my favorite mayonnaise. It is the best mayonnaise. Always have it. I put it on a lot of things. It is a tastemaker for my life. So that is always in my fridge. And I very strongly recommend it be in your fridge. I'm going to have to check that out. Next time I go to the Asian market, I'm going to look for it. Yes, look for it. It it is in most Asian markets because it is so ubiquitous in the world (laughs) of cooking and flavoring. If you've ever had okonomiyaki, it's probably been on there. That's the mayo. That's that white and okonomiyaki (laughs) and the the sauce toppings. That's Kyuubi mayo. So, oh my goodness. Well, thank you for all that. I'm like, not only was that just like fun to listen to, I felt like I learned so much and I need to go check out so many more things. Like, I just didn't even know existed. Thank you for having me on the show, Brian and Alicia. It was was really good to meet you guys. We're not done yet. We have one final thing (laughs) the plug section. Oh, no, 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 no. Before we get to the plug session, and this is kind of interesting because we do have one more tradition on the show. It's we've gotten arrived at the point where we always ask our guests to offer some advice, which is really interesting because you've done nothing but just disseminate so much amazing (laughs) advice. I almost feel like ashamed to ask you for even more, but I'm going to do it anyway, because once again, I'm going to ask questions just because it's, you know, it's tradition (laughs) around here. But JM, we always like to ask our guests if they could leave our listeners with some advice, something they can walk away from the show with. What would you say to our listeners out there? It's the same advice, whether or not you are a maker of music or a lover of music and a consumer of music. It's embrace original music. It's a big ask for the acapella community to write and perform original music. But I have to say it is one of the most rewarding things to do as a group is to sing things that are written for by you. You connect with it in a way that, honest, I've never found in anything written by any other musical artist. Our own music is really our own heart. If you are a lover of music, embrace original music trust original music that it has new opportunities for discovery if you don't know what the song is called if you haven't heard of the artist because that's the acapella group's name trust that they're making good insightful and powerful music and listen to it buy it 
love it and listen to it over and over again make it the sort of common music you you would recognize and go back to because it's worth it that's and fantastic that's, advice. Okay. that's what i can hope yeah. right there that's perfect I, I think we all need to hear that and now we have arrived at the point where we'd like to allow our guests to just plug anything and everything that they have and that they're attached to so jm please the floor is yours well thank you and you, you, i've been talking about a lot of things today but you can start at countermeasuremusic.com just the word countermeasure the word music Dot com or beatsync b-e-a-t-s-y-n-c beatsyncmusic.com or the ruach singers r-u-a-c-h singers.com or singtoronto.com spelled exactly the way you might expect it to be <laughs> those are all websites of course on socials we have lots of things on, on twitter it's at defy genre a, that was our slogan when we started the group we always yes. wanted to be uh push the edges or at, at beat sync music at the ruach singers at sing toronto also on instagram and on facebook countermeasure acapella <laughs> and beat sync music all those sorts of good socials but you can start at our website we've got lots of places that take you down those rabbit holes particularly with countermeasure we are in the very last stages of releasing i think Perhaps the most exciting project that we've ever worked on is an album called Guest Sessions. It's 10 tracks, all original music, and it, it is an entirely a cappella album where one of the voices was replaced with a solo instrumentalist. So we've decided to use one instrument as an interesting voice, like an interesting voice texture. And of course, it doesn't make it fully acapella, but it also gave us a really interesting avenue to work with some incredible artists. You know, Randy Brecker of the Brecker Brothers. We work with Natalie McMaster, who is a renowned Canadian fiddle player. We work with an 87-year-old jazz legend from New Orleans, who is the sort of the grandfather of the Preservation Hall Jazz Society, Charlie Gabriel, as well as a ton of other amazing people. Dame Evelyn Glennie, who is a percussionist out of the UK. Cindy Cashdollar, who's a dobro player who's been multi-grammy award-winning some really amazing artists and so you can hear what we can do when we write original music write original music with the intention of seeing what a vocal texture could be if it was performed with a, a solo instrument so really really cool stuff and countermeasuremusic.com for all those sort of things we've released we've got a couple music videos out already and one that is just about to drop i know they just filmed it over the weekend in very safe conditions <laughs> i'll tell you that for sure guest sessions is also available on all of your favorite streaming platforms and and purchasing platforms we're continuing to go back in the studio and record the second volume of that so you can look forward to that coming out as well and also sing toronto we just wrapped on our ninth season at sing, singtoronto.com go back to sing toronto find out uh, what we did it was some really amazing shows and we're going to do a replay of sing toronto so i think we're doing a pay what you can model of seeing all of the content so you can participate in the festival on, on demand which i think is pretty cool so uh, go check that out and then keep your eyes peeled for lots more things that we do throughout the year well i for one cannot wait to listen to that album like it sounds incredible and just learned so much from sing toronto so thank you so much for letting us know about all of that stuff it's amazing alicia where can our listeners go to find you you can find me on Instagram at e.squared1989. How about you, Brian? You can always find me on Twitter at thebrianalex. And please go give Talkapella a follow. We have a Twitter account, Talkapella2Ps2Ls, as well as our website, talkapella.org, to hear past episodes and just learn more about your host here. And as always, go give Acaville Radio a follow. They are the wonderful platform that we're able to stream through, so we will not be here without them. And on that note, that's going to wrap up today's episode with J.M. Erlinson. J.M., thank you so much you've been such an amazing incredible guest thank we you. really appreciate you coming and speaking and sharing with us today thank you for having me you, you guys are wonderful hosts and once again what you're doing <laughs> is really important honestly I, I value this so highly and everyone in the community should be valuing these sorts of things really highly because this is what keeps us alive as an art form this is what keeps us growing as an art form and this is what keeps the love flowing amen to that thank you and on that note that's going to wrap up today's episode for everything else stay tuned